Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Vaughn from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Isaiah 61, 62, and 63, and this is second to last day we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, um, which is which is wild, and then we'll be moving into Jeremiah here in a few days' time. Um, Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And so this is the passage that Jesus stood in the temple and recited, was fulfilling prophecy of himself, that this, these words were spoken, prophesied, and then they, they were they were held tightly and recited often in the temple. They were recited by Israel, waiting in expectation and believing for the Messiah to come, in which the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon, who would be this bringer of good news, this binder of the brokenhearted, this person who's able to proclaim liberty. Liberty is freedom to the captives who would open the prisons of those who are bound. Or another translation is open the eyes of those who are blind. You know, just thinking about where it says in, in, the, in the word, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. Jesus came to liberate us, to free us from all aspects of bondage and captivity. All. Because the only way that I can't say all is if I consider something too hard for God. Right? So God has, he sent his son Jesus to free us from all aspects of captivity. That's from mental captivity. That's from emotional captivity. That's from trauma. Things that you've experienced in your life, even in your childhood. That's from uh, financial captivity, which is debt and, and the, cr- the crippling effect that it has to be uh, dealing with, with poverty and, and, and to feel as though you're struggling in that way. He came to free us from that. 
from from the physical captivity, whether it be um, uh, in our bodies, in our health, sickness, disease, um, you know, thinking about it in in a in a way of you know captivity, even in the way of slavery. You know, and it's funny because a lot of times we read these verses about captivity. And you think, well, okay, so it means that we're not going to be as though we were in Egypt again. Or we're, we're not going to be as, as though we were in, in Babylon or Assyria again. We're not going to be a people that are held captive again because the Spirit of the Lord has come. And now we experience freedom but see, God's definition of freedom in ours is different. Because it says, I'm going to open the prison to those who are bound. I'm going to proclaim liberty to the captives. And yet Jesus came, and one of the very first things that happened after Jesus came, and he released the Holy Spirit, and he empowered the church, was that many of the church, many, many members of the church were imprisoned right paul spent a good portion of his life imprisoned but the lord came for the opening of the prison to those who are bound that's because it was never a physical prison the physical prison is 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 bad it was this spiritual prison it was the place of bondage that you can't see you know we read these passages and we sometimes we think we know what they're meaning but then you look at it and you go, well, not only was the first church constantly in prison, and then there were supernatural phenomenons that would take place, like where, where God would bust them out, you know, and there was, you know, because nothing's too hard for God. But there was also moments where they just remained in prison because that, that, was, the, um, that was the purpose that God had for them. Well, then... Well, then it must mention it must speak of slavery. Well, we're never going to be a slave to anyone again because the Spirit of the Lord has come and it, there's liberty, there's freedom. We're not going to be held captive against our will anymore. Well, that that's a nice take on it, but in the New Testament, it speaks directly to those people who were slaves, and it and it says, "Let each of us remain as we are. Remain as we are." It says if you're married, stay married. If you're a husband, be a husband. If you're a wife, be a wife. If you're a, a slave, be, be a slave. If you're a master, be a master. It says let, let you remain as you are and let you do your work as though you're serving the Lord, not as man. It's like, wait a second. I thought you were supposed to bust us out of all this. We're not going to be about slavery anymore. We're not going to be about, you know, we're not going to be about all this. The Spirit of the Lord is here. We're, 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 we have liberty. See, liberty is, is, not, is not something you can touch and, and feel, you know. And, and we know all over the world there's people that are still in some sort of modern form of slavery, you know, being held against their will. You know, lately there seems to like we're always hearing about sex trafficking and, you know, there's all this there's horrible stuff happening. But... And the Lord it can supernaturally and does still supernaturally free people from their circumstances and from their situations and from their bondage. 
just as he did several times in the New Testament. But his liberty is such a greater liberty that he can actually free us spiritually before he frees us naturally. And so I just wanted to, that just spoke to me today because I just wanted us to not brush past that. These are what is available through Jesus. Freedom is available through Jesus, both in the present through the way of peace and joy, but then also in the future and the way of my circumstances being changed. You know, like the way that Joseph's circumstances changed. He wasn't always in, he wasn't always a slave. But he began, he, he was promoted to the palace. So God can naturally change our circumstances, but then he can also give us joy in the midst of our circumstances, like Paul, who was freed from prison, but then also wrote from prison and said, I've found out how to be joyful in all circumstances, to be content, whether I have plenty or whether I have nothing. Clearly, he had experienced liberty, even though he was still enchained. And so there's just something special about about what Jesus came to do that we'll spend the rest of our lives processing more and more and more and understanding. And so and some of this stuff I just want to say some of these benefits that the Lord released so that they're in Jesus and Jesus came to the earth and then just as Jesus was was put to death and even as his side opened up it's really like everything that the Lord deposited in Jesus and that he carried around on the earth for 33 years. All of these things, we got to see what perfection looks like in the flesh as it walked around in a tent like the one that we wear. But then as he was pierced for our transgressions and as his side was open up and it said like water and blood poured out of his side, it's in that moment, it's like that there was a releasing upon the earth because he, he gave up his spirit. And so everything that was deposited into Jesus on the cross was released to the world. So now we have the ability to, when we believe, we receive. We don't receive um, just salvation in the sense of fire protection from hell. We receive salvation in the sense of if it was in Jesus and it was in his life, then when I believe in Jesus now, I receive the spirit of Jesus. And I'm lay- and I spend the but I spend the rest of my life laying hold on more and more of what was in him that he's released. Okay, so when when it talks about these things, I'm going to go through them a little bit slower. But when it talks about these things, these things have been re- released, but it doesn't mean that they've been received. So, for instance, it says um, uh, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. So there's a release where we have the ability to have gladness. But how does oil work? It must be applied. So you have to apply the oil of gladness instead of your mourning. Right? And then it says the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. How does a garment work? It has to be put on. Right? Think same same way with the the uh, the armor of God, Ephesians six, the helmet of salvation, all this stuff, it has to be put on. You know, it says back up, it says, I want to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. I want to take everything 
that's weak and lowly or anything that they consider ugly about them. And I want to give them a way in which they can be dressed beautifully. And so it's really presenting of a person here who then is putting on a headdress that's covering up their ashes. It's someone that's that's anointing themselves with the oil of gladness that changes the aroma in which they smell and oil even has a medicinal purpose that heals right and then a garment that they put on as a of praise and it covers them and so naturally we're creating this picture of this person who was probably looking kind of downtrodden and now as they're being clothed and as they're being anointed now they're becoming this beautiful person and so that's uh, these are metaphors for what's happening in the spiritual. But I receive these things at salvation, but I must then spend my life applying these things and putting on these things, right? So he purchased the wardrobe, and in the wardrobe is is equipped with the oil of gladness, the garment of praise, right? The The beautiful headdress, right? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. But then, you know, and all these things, the gospels, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, you know, all of these things. And, and so, but now it's my job to clothe myself, right? As I go back out into this world each day, to clothe myself in, in the equipment, in, in the attire in which he purchased for me, in which he walked around in the flesh in. And then he allowed for his body to be pierced so that these things could be released so that I could receive them. Okay. And so just, just a beautiful understanding of, of what we've been talking about so much in Isaiah, which is just full salvation and how to walk in the full salvation of the Lord. And we receive it and it's by grace and it's nothing that I've done, but there's been more purchased than what I realize. And I've got to dig into the wardrobe. It's kind of like a Narnia wardrobe where I've got to look around into the kingdom of God and figure out how much more has been purchased for me than I realize and start putting on these things, putting on joy, putting on gladness, putting on healing, right? And um, and so then it goes on to say, you, you shall be called the priest of the Lord. There's going to be a double portion for you. You're going to have everlasting joy because the Lord loves justice. He's clothing us with the garments of our salvation. He's covering me with a robe of righteousness as a, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And that's the thing about it is the Lord at the moment of our salvation, he dresses us in this way. And it's, and it's like he dresses us in this way. Um, in which now forever he sees us in this way. He sees us to the fullest of our potential. Okay. Whether I wake up and I go and I have prayer or whether I wake up and I turn on ESPN or whether I, you know, I wake up and I, you know, uh, you know, turn up a bottle of whiskey or whether I wake up and I go into intercession, the Lord literally sees me as this bride. That's what Isaiah 61 says, like a bride adorned with jewels. This is how he sees me because of Jesus. He sees me this way. This is what I was trying to get us to understand yesterday. It's, it, it's, it's so simple. It's complicated, but he sees me as this beautiful, beautiful bride okay and it's just it's just amazing and um and and so this is how he sees me every day yet i have the responsibility to here on earth dressing myself 
with everything that he's purchased for me so that I can see myself the way that he sees me and so that others can see me the way that he sees me so that they can see him through me. Because if I just cling to the way that he sees me, yet I do nothing to uh, adorn myself as the Father has purchased for me to be dressed, then I will not feel like a son of God. I won't feel like a priest, right? I won't feel like the bridegroom, nor will anyone see me as that, which is my purpose in Christ, is to conform to his image so that people can see him through me. And so it's just this beautiful, you know, I think of it really like the bride at a wedding. You know, I remember, you know, when my wife, when the song played, and I remember when my wife came out from the back of the church and started walking and, you know, just big tears filled my eyes. And it was just this amazing moment because she's at that moment. It was just the most beautiful. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And, and this moment will forever be cherished, you know, but it's not that from that moment forward that it was her you know, having her makeup done, wearing a beautiful dress and fixing her hair and, and fixing, you know, and having her lipstick on. And, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, and people, you know, how people like mad diet and lose weight and get on muscle and get all this stuff for their weddings, you know, but it's not, it's not in those things that a groom cherishes his, his bride. But it, it's from that moment on, the groom really always sees his bride the same way, Right. She never has to reproduce that same image in which she conformed to that moment because he it's forever locked in his heart the way in which he loves his bride, right? But as then, you know, the bride goes out from there, it's then she still lives in a world in which she is uh, responsible for how she perceives herself and how she feels and then also how others perceive her and how and the way that and the way that she depicts the glory of if that makes sense so we can't change the way that the father looks at us by the way that we prepare ourselves but we can change the way we look at ourselves and how others look at us by the way that we prepare ourselves and so that's just kind of a full circle about this oil of gladness and this headdress and the garment of praise and being clothed with the robe of righteousness and all of these things is that we should really our time in devotion before the lord every morning in prayer and in the word it's like we're going into this big walk-in closet and we're saying father god Make me as you already see me as. Like, put this beautiful headdress on me today, Lord Jesus. Cover me up. Bind up my wounds. Right? Give me a freedom, a liberty today. Again, fresh. And then I devote myself to the, to the word. And a robe of, being wrapped in a robe of righteousness. Right? And, and so, I'm just literally becoming the person that he sees me as, and that I'm walking out of this walk-in closet, and I am now looking, and I have conformed to the image of Jesus. And now that's the person that can bring glory to God, because they look like God. And that's a person who's going to experience everlasting joy, because they've been with God, right? And so, 
it's just amazing. This whole chapter is amazing, and and um, and so uh, Isaiah sixty two it says um, just these promises of there's going to be righteousness. I'm going to produce righteousness in you. You got to understand that too. They wanted to be righteous. There's you know Romans seven. You know Paul says. Why do I keep doing things that I don't want to do? There's a call for righteousness in us. It's not like, like we, we want to have control. It feels horrible to not uh, like the person that you are. You want to be righteous. It's, at, it's, it's in your, your DNA that you want to be righteous. But without the Holy Spirit, you don't have the ability to be righteous. It's not that we just want to, we want to be these miserable, wicked, ugly people, yet we want that God sees us in a different way. No, we want to be righteous. And in fact, it, it's so hard for us to even believe day by day by faith that God sees us as righteous at all if we're not pursuing righteousness in our lives. It's so hard to still believe he sees me this way if I'm not at least pursuing it in my life, right? And, and so, um, uh, you know, and it speaks of just how the Lord looks at us, and He looks at us like just like we were talking about, like the bridegroom. Uh, just as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And uh, just so, just amazing, and how He becomes our Savior, and um, and how He's mighty to save, and He's become our Savior. And we should recount the wonderful deeds of the Lord and. Uh, you know, just just this awesome uh, understanding in 61, 62, and 63 of just how much the Lord loves us and how beautifully He sees us and how He is paid and was pierced and it was released upon the earth that we can become as He already sees us as.